Jinxy cat, jinxy cat, I love you. No, you Where fucked up. Where no. are you? No, you fucked it up. You did it backwards. <laughs> To the Drunken Fan Podcast, where this is going to be a, an unusual episode. We're going to try and make this as fun as we can, but in reality, we, we, we kind of have like a little bit of a serious thing that we need to talk about here. And I, I do, I know that I didn't discuss this before we started recording, but I do want to go ahead and just send out be- uh, best wishes to Dak and We'll get to the Cowboys and everything that happened at the end of the podcast, because obviously that's still the only sport that's currently playing. But just, right off, the, right off yeah, the top, like, right, right off the top, man, like what what happened to Dak is uh, by now a whole lot of people have seen it. I know you haven't seen it, but uh, because you have like a conscience and can't stand to watch that stuff. And I've, I've, I'm that same way too. And every every time I see someone get hurt, it just always it just always i'm not squeamish whenever it comes to injuries i can watch people get hurt but whenever it comes to what they were doing and like for that injury to happen they were pretty much doing it for my entertainment and i was telling you this beforehand but it just like i feel kind of guilty that now that dak prescott has suffered a severely broken leg and a dislocated ankle like he did that for our entertainment and i just it's hard for me to kind of put it into words, like how much that means to me that well, when you put it that way, I seem like an asshole for not watching it. No, 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 no. I, like I get why people wouldn't want to watch that, but oh, yeah. If, yeah. if you, if, if you watch it though, the, the good news is that this is why, first of all, you bring in Andy Dalton is so that way you can have a backup quarterback. That's actually worthy of, that could start somewhere else. Like he, he probably, you could argue that he's probably the best at backup quarterback in the league. And it's kind of like the Dallas stars with Bishop and Hudobin. Like if Bishop goes down, you've got Anton Hudobin ready to go it, with Dallas. It, once Dak Prescott goes down, you've got Andy Dalton ready to go. Who is an established starting quarterback, uh, not just in the pros, but also in college. And I mean, he took the Bengals to the playoffs. Anyone that could take the Bengals to the playoffs deserves a shot. And yeah. Andy Dalton's getting his shot. But just first of all, I just wanted to say, uh, shout out to Dak. We will see him again soon. Yeah, yeah. Andy Dalton definitely deserves his shot. That's not how you want to get it, but definitely not. So it's funny because I predicted that Andy Dalton would be the starter by the time that they yeah. played the Bengals yeah. this year. How about you predict a Super Bowl win? How about that? I, you know what? Because I'm telling you, it's looking like that. I just might be right. So, but anyway, um, sending out sending out our regards to Dak Prescott and everything. Um, get better, bud. And uh, bud, yeah, bud. He's my friend okay. now. Yeah. Well, because he listens. Because he listens to the podcast. You guys didn't know that. We have JR and we have Dak Prescott. Those are our listeners. Yeah. And, and our Finnish friends. Which, yes. by the way, I'm not going to say hey to you guys. I'm going to say it in your own native tongue. Hey. Like, that's how you say hello in Finnish. Is it, is it like with the flimmy I think it is. According to, according to Google Translates, they did it. They did it with the Google, so, Google was like, put some phlegm behind puts, it. Yeah, don't just say hey. You say hey all the time. Say hey. I said hey. Hey. 
What a wonderful kind of day. That's not what I was going for, but, but you okay. knew what I okay, yeah, all right, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what an interesting way to get going. Um, so Rangers. Yes, okay, so we'll we'll start with the Rangers this week. Now we're mixing up the uh the order on you guys. Cause... It's really easy to start with basketball because for the Dallas Fort Worth area, the basketball's been dead for the longest. So Yeah, yeah. But we can talk about the Rangers and one development that did happen with them is that their their pitching coach is not getting an extension. He's he's done. Like he's not even getting a, a minor league offer. Yeah. And their catching coach is Hector Ortiz, not not Luis. Not Luis, not your friend, but Hector Ortiz, he is getting a minor league offer. So yeah. they are the Rangers are now looking for some new coaches especially whenever it comes to pitching, which needed to be addressed because yeah. their pitching was uh, like really the biggest question mark on this season. And mm-hmm. whenever it comes to, I, I don't, I don't know anything about catching. I to me, it didn't seem like that catching was that big of an issue that the coach needed to go, but I just didn't know what I wasn't seeing that maybe you can probably enlighten us the, on the Rangers issues with catching has always been, they, ha- they, they, well, not always, but for the past few seasons, um, typically they have two different types of catchers, and uh, they have your offensive catchers and their defensive catchers, and uh, a lot like it's kind of rare in general for those two things to to coincide. You know, you got like Pudge Rodriguez, Joe Mauer, Johnny Bench, but the. The the Rangers situation has been you either had Robinson Torinos who offensively can play he's you know he's good he's a stud defensively meh you know he's he leaves a lot that there's a lot lacking from his defensive game or you go the other way around where Jeff Mathis defensively is awesome can't hit the ball so I think you bring in a better uh, coach to try to coach up maybe your uh, I think it's easier to coach a uh, uh, an offensive catcher to do the little things better defensively than it would be to bring a defensive catcher de- defensive specialist type catcher in and try to teach him how to hit at the major league level. Do you think that just like what the Cardinals did with Mark McGuire as a hitting coach, do you think that the Rangers consider bringing in Pudge as a catching coach? I mean, I know he's still involved with the organization. I don't know in what capacity. The only thing I know is that he does the broadcasts. Yeah. uh, I mean, it's a possibility, but... I know it's a possibility, but like, what do you you see? That's about like having Hercules as a strength coach. Like, you're talking about somebody who, yes, they worked at it, but the dude had a golden arm. Like, you can't teach that. What's Pudge going to say? Oh, no, no, no. Throw it 100 miles an hour across the diamond from a squat. Yeah, I know. You know and, like, and see, that's that's uh, why typically good players, not not good players, but great, great players, players don't make very typically good coaches. Because yeah. they, they, they're, they're gifted with these amazing abilities that most people don't have. And just like you said, like, what do you mean you can't get up there and just hit it? 500 yards just or not yards but 500 yeah. feet just get up there and do it like it's that yeah. but see but mark mcguire was able to take his above average far above average talent whether mm-hmm. he used steroids or not he did but they were legal at the time but that's a different argument yeah yeah but even whenever mark mcguire was hitting all kinds of home runs that he was hitting it was easy for it would be easy for him to just kind of translate that into his coaching but it seemed like he was able to take 
his knowledge of the game and how what he used uh, at the plate to teach more players how to hit better. I mean, they won a World mm-hmm. Series because of it. So I'm just wondering if, of course, what you said is obviously valid and is true with great players, but I'm just wondering... And of course, it's possible for Pudge to be the yeah. next catching coach. I'm not yeah. asking oh, what could yeah. be possible. Like, do you see that happening? Just yes or no? I don't. I don't see that happening because the Rangers organization as a whole seems like they're going more towards, uh, more towards people who have had established coaching careers. Maybe not at the major league level, uh, but they have established themselves as coaches and. Although I know that Pudge has helped with some of the catching issues, I, I he's not been a coach that I'm aware of. So I think they would I think they would rather go with somebody who's had that job before and knows what it entails and knows they could do it at a major league level. Because it seems like that with Luis Ortiz still keeping his job yeah. as the hitting coach, they're yeah. happy where everything is going hitting wise. So if you're going to not necessarily... They're happy with the approach. It's the execution that's leaving some to be desired, for sure. But 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 it was good enough. Like, what he did, what, he being Luis Ortiz, is it was good enough for him to stick around and mm-hmm. pr- continue to mm-hmm. leave his impression on players. Yeah, because lo- you look at the development of the younger guys, and, and that's almost directly a result of Luis Ortiz. Yeah, definitely. And so it seems like that... Because you, you made the argument of... Um, uh, Robinson Chirinos being able to hit, but really his fielding just was not that good. Mm-hmm. So it m- makes you wonder that the hitting was fine, but the catching itself is the thing that really needs to be the focal point, which is why they let the catching coach go. So it just seemed like to me that Pudge would be a good little tra- transition and maybe giving him a shot to teach these young guys because the team is going to be younger. Odds are they look at Yvonne Rodriguez and they he's revered as this amazing catcher like regardless where you lived like yeah well (laughs) excuse me I think I think if you're gonna do that though Pudge needs to get hit to to be able to cut his teeth in the minor leagues first because you're talking about developing young players and if he's gonna be able to do that he's gonna have to get them when they're younger you know yeah uh what I was talking about is maybe a coach who can take somebody who's established as an offensive catcher and refine some of the rougher edges of their defensive game and step it up, not necessarily develop their defensive game as a whole. Just, just polish it. You know, where do you see them going then? I mean, I know that picking a, a catching coach is that's like what, like as minute as you can get, but it seems like you have an idea of like how, like the kind of coach that they should mm-hmm. pursue. Do you mm-hmm. have someone in mind that you think could fill that ballot? I think you have to look at the organizations that traditionally have good catching because the Rangers after Pudge have not been that organization. So you have to go with uh, an organization that traditionally has been able to develop and teach their younger catchers and uh, you you take somebody from an organization like that who's been in the position where they've been in charge of teaching and developing these younger players, and you bring them in and you let them put their stamp on it. So you think that more than likely this is going to be an offer to maybe like a triple A 
catching coach yeah. that has yeah. shown that he knows what he's doing and yep. this is going to be his chance in the big league or maybe even like a developmental catching coach in some other organization because it's not just like with the coaching it's not just like you have single a through triple a and then major leagues like you'll have like uh like the guy who taught me how to pitch he's the rehab assignment like pitching coach for the phillies right now so he's over all of the major league uh, sorry all of the well for the organization of the phillies as a whole if anybody gets designated for a rehab pitching assignment they're working with ray so maybe somebody like that maybe for, that, that might be someone that you might want oh dude i've been i've been like yeah because yeah, like, the pitching coach the pitching position is now open and i i don't know i haven't talked to ray in years but i know and i'm not talking about ray in general right but i'm just talking about like someone who rehabs players to not just mm-hmm. they're not already players that are great just keep them great it's yeah, no it's, they were great they're not anymore so make them great again so those are the kind of people that you want to kind of see where this person's not even injured. So there are no limitations with this person biomechanically speaking. Just make them great. Like you did it before with injuries. Now do it without injuries. And to me, it seems like that would be a good transition. It seems like that would be not an easier transition. Obviously, it's going to present its own challenges, yeah. but it, 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 it would definitely seem it's like less of a stretch. Le- yes, absolutely. And and I mean, if we're gonna dovetail into the yeah, pitching then, coach, yeah, yeah. So I, that's I, that's why I wanted to kind of make it into yeah, it because yeah. you have a better idea whenever it comes to pitching. So. I, well, well, if it was me personally, I ha- would make one phone call, and it would be to Ray. Uh, but I, you know, I'm not the GM. You know, but you're talking about a guy who's on a first name basis with Nolan Ryan when Kenny Rogers was in, doing his second stint in Texas. Sorry, had left his second stint in Texas and was. Uh, he reinvented himself in Detroit. He spent an entire winter with Ray working at pitching and he came back lights out. Like we're talking about a guy who in major league baseball, he's not necessarily well known as far as the public anymore, unless you're a Cardinals fan because he, you know, he pitched for the Cardinals in the NLCS in the eighties. But uh, you're talking about a guy who's, who's respected in baseball as a whole, and like it, it, not just in baseball as a whole, but with people who know pitching, they all respect Ray. I think that to me is a slam dunk if you can convince him to to move because uh, he used to live in the DFW area. He doesn't anymore. But if you can convince him to move back, I think that's a slam dunk. But dude. I mean, wouldn't you wouldn't you say that he would rather have a job working with the healthier pitchers and oh, an everyday thing? I mean, so I mean that would like if you made that call, you wouldn't have to convince him. Possibly. I don't I like I said, I don't I haven't talked to him in a in a few years, so I don't know how happy he is in Philadelphia. But I do know that when he was with the Tigers organization or sorry, before he was with the Tigers organization, he did want to work for the Rangers. And he lived in the DFW area for like 30 years. So I think personally, that's a slam dunk hire. So you think, so you think both ways, do you think that they, okay. You think, first of all, the two hires that they should do are rehabilitation coaches with other, or like, like within the major league baseball organization, but with other teams. Yeah. I I wouldn't necessarily say rehabilitation, uh, with the catching situation, because that's not necessarily rehabilitation, but development is what needs to happen there. But with a lot of the pitchers that you have with the Rangers, 
there's development and rehabilitation kind of issues. Well, not necessarily with Mike Miner gone now, but uh, the Rangers like to take chances on older pitchers in general. Yeah, but the, but the organization has been very upfront saying that it's going to be younger mm-hmm. going forward. Oh yeah, so yeah. that's why that's why maybe hiring rehabilitation coaches are that might be the best option just because these players that are coming up into the league, of course they're healthy, but they're also young. So in a way it is kind of like a rehabilitation assignment. Sure. Sure. But what I'm saying is with Ray, you get, you get both because he's done both. Yeah. 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 So you get that. So you would say like, if you wanted to make a, make a pick, you would probably for the pitching coach. You would say you'd want your buddy Ray to get the, what's his name? Ray what? Ray Burris. Ray Burris. Yeah, I, can't, I just keep saying Ray. 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 It's, well, okay, yeah, it's fine. So Ray. Might Ray think Burris. I mean Ray is, Romano. Oh, oh, pitching. So the, the, so the <laughs> sorry. There's no. There's really no developments with the Rangers themselves. Like not like no no player news. Like they haven't even announced no. what they're gonna do with Chew or anything like that. But they are taking the steps towards. Addressing, addressing needs issues that needs, yeah. okay so you think that do you think that the rangers organization has an idea of where they're gonna go like or do you think that they just know that this needs to change let's just cut ties and then we'll figure out the rest going forward so from what i understand and i will i'll throw this out there i don't think the Ray Burris hire is a likely one i think it's the right one i don't think it's a likely one because yeah, yeah. i've already said he's in tight with nolan you know, like when they see each other, they go, Hey Ray, Hey Nolan. Like, I mean, they were teammates at one point. And by Nolan, he means Nolan Ryan. Yes. And, uh, and you know, I think, I think it's like I said last week, I think the, the, the dispute between the two of those guys was a bigger deal in the media than it was in real life. But I, I think that it's obvious that there is, a dispute between Nolan Ryan and John Daniels. Yeah, but I th- I think that so I'm it's, just it's hard I, I'm to, just it's saying, hard to say that it was just like a, a professional dispute because he the Nolan Ryan yeah. up and left the team and went somewhere else, so it had to have been more than just professional. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? But, but so I don't. I'll just say so I you, don't think that's necessarily the, the likely hire. But as far as whether as far as your actual question because <laughs> that just dawned on me like oh i should probably say like this probably won't happen the but, question the question here is is that do you think that they have an idea of where they're going or do, as far or as do, a specific person yeah like do you think they have a specific person in mind or do you think that they're just getting ahead of things saying like well we're just going to nip this in the bud and we're just going to cut ties with these guys and then we'll figure it out as we go i think because most of the time whenever whenever mm-hmm. it's they're making decisions about players whether or not to trade players or cut players or send them down. It's yeah. be, the reason why they're doing it is because there's a bigger picture here. There, yeah. there are more yeah. players, a bigger player on the horizon right. that they're trying to make room for. Yeah. Do you think that they're kind of doing the same thing with coaches here? Or do you think it's just, do you think with coaches, it's a completely different thing? I think they have a short list. I think they have maybe five to 10 people that they want to bring in for interviews. And that's the thing with coaches in general, if you're going to start interviewing people, the other guy has to be gone already. Right. So I think, right, right. I think that they have a few names in mind, but as far as like down to specific people, like we know for sure we want that guy 
or or this is our this is our dream hire, and then everybody else is just if we can't get them. I don't think they necessarily have. You don't that think so? In mind. I'm, I'm maybe willing to bet for, that. I'm willing maybe to bet for they pitching do. coach. I would doubt that for catching coach. Man, I don't know. It it seems kind of. Yeah, I I, I think it seems kind of irresponsible to well, go that, like into said, a decision like, like this without having like your your number one selection. Like, who's the guy you go after for? any position regardless whatever it is if you're going to commit to letting someone go that already has the job i to me i think it just seems like of course to me i'm about to say it uh i think that if like you don't make that decision unless you have a firm idea of where you want to go like of course you've got backup plans but in the end i think that you kind of have your guy where mm-hmm. your organization is going to go just as important as which players to select like selecting coaches and where the the idea needs to or uh, where where the idea of where the team's going to go and all that like you have to have that in mind whenever you're making that decision yeah i think i think that maybe i just didn't say it like Maybe not. Clearly. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I just think... just so everyone knows, I, I I smoked a little bit of the marijuana before we started. So I I, I hope that <laughs> no, I make no, no, I, I hope was, I make I a little bit more that. sense. But just I apologize. I wasn't, if this I wasn't is a little it like, weird. I wasn't meaning it like that. I was meaning maybe I need to rephrase what I was saying. I think they do have a preference of, like I said, a short list, maybe five to ten people that they think would all be improvements on where they are now and in the direction that they want to go yes yeah 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 yeah. but as far as having one person selected out of that group i don't think so okay okay i to me i I just think that I, i i think that you at least need to have like a number one for every decision that you make whether it be a general manager or a coach or a an assistant coach or whatever I I understand that, but you can't really do that in this situation, like I said, because you can't even talk to these guys until the other guy's out the door. Yeah. I mean, you can backdoor it, but you can't talk to anybody directly. We're not talking. We're just talking. Just kind of like one of those things. Yeah. And and I get I I completely get that. It just... Uh, and, and that's, that's like a topic that's, that dives way deeper than to just yeah. the Rangers. It just, <laughs> that was just like one of the, that is the only real story with the Rangers right now Yeah, that is really kind of worth dissecting. So I just didn't know if you had kind of an opinion on the matter. I mean, at this point, you approve of both firings though. I, I think they both make sense. I think at a certain point you have to look at, excuse me, you have to look at the defense and, um, and acknowledge that for the most part where the defense started to fall off was at the very beginning and it's pitching and catching. You address that, you get a good foundation. You can move on and address fielding. Yeah, but they were, they were, just once again, I know we've already discussed this a little bit, but it, it just seems like that that series with the Pittsburgh Pirates changed everything. You it, mean San Diego Padres? With uh, with Fernando Tatis Jr.? Yeah. Oh, was that San Diego? I thought yeah. it was Pittsburgh. No. Okay, anyway. So that series with Fernando Tatis Jr. changed everything because I think the Rangers were actually in a good position to not maybe necessarily 
be world beaters, but to at least make some noise. <laughs> and I think that with that series brought a whole lot of like it made the Rangers the villains, and they're not. You know, no, LeBron yeah. James, the Miami Heat, they thrived as the villains just because that's who they were. And it, if they were the good guys, I don't think that they would have had the success that they had. Like, I think that they thrived off being the villains. And I think that this Rangers squad this year, they didn't anticipate being the villains. No. And whenever they came out that way, they kind of looked and went, but that's not us. Like, what the hell? And so it took them a while for them to gain their reputation back. I think, I think it's more than that. I think the thing is that that series changed the internal perception of where this team really was because this the internal perception was that we could still win now we could still win with the guys that we have you know and then you come up against a team that every almost everybody in baseball agrees like this is not necessarily the team right now they're right on the cusp of it but this is the team of the next five to ten years and you get demolished that as an organization makes you step back and go, wait a minute, we're not in win now. We're not, we're not in win now mode. Yeah. We, we yeah. can't be. Yeah. That makes we sense. We can't be. So we have to reevaluate everything. And I think from that point on, they took a step back, they sold some pieces and they started evaluating everybody's job. Yeah. It was even, it was even before the end of the year that they were saying that next year, this team <clears throat> yes. is going to be younger. Yes. So yeah, that makes sense too. So I don't. I don't think it was necessarily a, a league-wide perception issue, at so much as it was an internal perception check. Yeah. Um, although we we've argued about this, we we've gone you know round and round about it. <clears throat> I think personally, that whole situation with the Padres got overblown, way overblown, way overblown, way overblown. And I'm just telling you, that's why I'm thinking that a situation like that is enough to derail a shortened season for sure. Mm -hmm. If you get something like that in a regular season, then you just have a skid and then you can, you get, you get a chance to kind of recover from that, but you just, they, they just, they, they had that that skid and they just never recovered from it. Yeah. Yeah. That series knocked them out of contention. And I think you do have a point like that changed the public perception. And John Daniels maybe saw that that changed not only the internal perception, but the public perception of the Rangers aren't a team that uh, that people want to root for right now because supposedly it's the old heads and get off my lawn and blah, 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 and all, you know, yeah, and yeah. all that. And John Daniels had the John Daniels and the coaches had the perception of not playing their younger players, even though I've said time and time again, they didn't have any 20 year olds that were ready. Like, I, I don't know what you want me to t- say, but you know. And after that moment, they took a step back and they went, okay, we're not in win now mode. So let's get rid of the older guys. Let's bring the younger guys up. Let them get their feet wet. Even if they're not ready, this will get them ready quicker than anything. And let's, let's, let's bring those guys in and let's maybe get rid of some of the coaches that aren't doing a very good job developmentally and bring in people who specialize in developing players. And I think that's what they're going to be looking for with a pitching coach and a, and a, and a catching coach. Yeah. Yeah, I, and that makes complete sense. So, uh, anything else you want to talk about with the Rangers? Please hire Ray Burris. Please, Please. hire Ray Burris. We'll 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 start sending out tweets, and we're gonna we're gonna talk to anyone <laughs> and everyone that we can. We're gonna get Ray Burris hired. So, Ray, whenever you get announced as the Rangers' next pitching coach, you're welcome. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it had, had nothing to do with your 35, 40 years of experience. It no, was it only took two guys living With a microphone in, and five listeners. Yeah, with a microphone, <laughs> five listeners, living, not even living in the state of Texas. No. <laughs> to kind of get this happening, so... <laughs> Good job for you for working as hard as you did, but you didn't need it. You just had to wait for us. Yeah, that's all it is. All right, so moving on to the Mavs here. There's, once again, just not a whole lot to discuss with the Mavs. But um, one thing that did get brought up is that Porzingis is uh, is about to have knee surgery. So we're not going to be again? talking about Luca this episode. Uh, but not again. Like he hasn't had the knee surgery yet since he hurt himself in Game One against the Clip. Uh, yeah, against the Clippers. <laughs> right, but that's what he was injured when he first came to Dallas. It was, yeah, it was, was a, it knee was injury. Yeah, it was an ACL. This time it's a meniscus. Oh, so it's, oh, yeah. So it's it's oh, there. There's no oh. there's no timetable uh, for a return from him uh, for him. And so who knows whenever the basketball season is going to start and. Mm-hmm. If he's going to be ready for it, like no one knows everything. The future's up in the air, but he is to Porzingis is scheduled to go uh, to undergo knee surgery. So I don't it, it seems like that this puts the Mavs in a not so good situation. But I, I think that Porzingis is young enough to where he can have this knee surgery especially i know that i say oh it's just a meniscus and but i understand compa- that that's a big deal but, but compared, compared to, to the acl acl mcl the time table is lcl anything like that yeah, yeah yeah of course so because the meniscus is internal stability whereas those are all external stability right yeah so okay. it's it, hopefully this is not going to be something that's going to affect him long term because the mavs are obviously in need of porzingis long term yes so it's I wish that there was more things that we could say about it, but whenever it comes to Porzingis and everything that he has done, like he he's such a huge threat from not just in the post, but at the elbow, at the wing, the baseline, and behind the arc. So we've got to have this guy back. And one thing that has been coming out a whole lot about the Mavs is that they're not really a triple threat. It's just kind of like a dual threat. And... Everyone else just kind of plays their parts. And so it, that le- that led me to thinking, who can the Mavs go after this offseason? Now that the finals are done and everything's done and every team is getting ready to enter that next phase for next season, who can they go after? Well, someone that I saw that is a free agent at the end of this year is Jay Crowder mm-hmm. for the Miami Heat. Very familiar with Dallas. He played in Dallas for several years before he ended up going to Boston. And then he really did have a great, not just NBA finals with the Heat, but he also had a great playoff series. I mean, if you look at his last one, two, three, four, five, six, his last 10 games, he scored double digit points in, in eight of them. So... The guy can come in and be that third threat that if you're going to cover Luka, if you're going to cover Porzingis, then you're really going to have to deal with Jay Crowder. And I also loved throughout the playoffs, Jay Crowder was always that physical presence for the Heat. Jimmy Butler could just focus on being that offensive juggernaut and that defensive juggernaut that kept the Lakers at bay for as long as he could. Whenever it come to be, whenever it came to being physical 
Jay Crowder was that guy who was able to step in and kind of be that, not that goon, like in hockey sense, but he could be that tough guy that can kind of step up for Luca or Christoph Porzingis if anything were to ever happen. Not that those guys can't take care of themselves, but it's nice to kind of have that backup that you don't see that third person coming out of nowhere. And I think Jay Crowder could do that. So here's hoping that uh, that Jay Crowder goes into the offseason with a little bit more of an open mind, not just dead set on re-signing with the Heat because if you want to kind of compare the Heat to the Stars, if you wanted to do that, then it does not look promising for either team because both teams lost in six. They had this unbelievable out-of-nowhere postseason run, but you never really felt like the Heat were ever in it. I remember telling you as soon as the NBA Finals started that I thought that the Lakers were going to sweep the Heat. I just thought that there was no way that any that they were going to compete at all. With the Stars, at least in that game one, they came out and showed their dominance and won four to one. So it's it, like it, there are similarities, but it's also a tale of two different cities. So hopefully the way that Jay Crowder looks at the Heat is not the same way that like Rupe Hintz is looking at the Stars, if that makes any sense. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that Jay Crowder looks at the heat and says, this was a nice little run. Now I'm going to go into free agency and get a huge contract that uh, I deserve to get. And I can go somewhere where they'll accept me, but also I can kind of fit into a good piece and be a huge piece of that puzzle. And I think Dallas has that written all over it. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that Jay Crowder, if if he doesn't come, then I'm not going to be like super upset and I'm going to get, I'm going to understand, but the Mavs do still need to sign that third presence. That's going to be a good tandem with, can you call it a tandem? A good team with Porzingis. Trandom. A trandom. That's not even a word. That's like a totally different thing. I made a sacred (laughs) convent. That sounded naughty. So Jay Crowder can come in and be that third body that can really take this team, hopefully, to the next level. So we'll see. That just It just got me thinking, and I looked into Crowder's contract and was like, oh, he's available, so maybe yeah. they can do what it... Maybe they can do what they need to do to bring him back. Yeah. I, I mean, I like that idea. Okay. You know, I... I I don't know a whole lot about basketball. I know, I know, you, so I know I, you don't. So I, just, so I can watch the games and be like, oh, yeah, it looks like they did this well and that well. But as far as the NBA free agency and who's who's going to be a good fit where, and I, I don't know. So hopefully, hopefully Jay Crowder back to the Mavs. But I really, really wish whenever it comes to this week's soccer minute that I had more to talk about. But really, so we're this, going into the soccer this, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add about the maps? No. No, okay. I, just, I just didn't know. Yeah. I was just figured that it'd be a good transition here. Ooh, moving on. I really wish that there was more to talk about whenever it comes to the soccer minute, but there's nothing because the Mavs lost to the Houston Dynamo, which not Mavs, the Mavs. I'm sorry. <laughs> the F- FC, Dallas. FC Dallas lost to Houston Dynamo this week. And that's just one of those things that you like. That was a game that they could not afford to drop, especially with the Houston Dynamo even being outside of the playoff picture. And then COVID decides to kind of step in and do what it has done best all of 2020. And it postponed the game between FC Dallas and Minnesota FC this week. And it, they don't even have a timetable yet of 
when that game is going to be made up. But it was nice, not nice, but it was good that they were able to catch that before FC Dallas had to play Minnesota FC. So that way they didn't have to worry about quarantining or anything like that before their next game. So whenever it comes to this week, it's really was a postponement and a loss that should have never happened. So I, it's, it's so hard to kind of talk about this right now, but, um, if you want to kind of look ahead this week, they have Kansas city, they have Nashville and they have a third game this week against real salt, uh, real real salt Lake. So this is going to be a huge week for FC Dallas because they're going to be playing a lot, uh, not a lot, but they're going to be playing some East Coast and West Coast teams. So they're going to kind of, uh, you're going to kind of get like a full sense of the league this week. And all of those games for FC Dallas, I hate to say this, but they should be winnable games. But so was the game against Houston Dynamo. So this team, you never really know what to expect whenever it comes to who they play and when they're playing. And you could have obviously assumed that they were overlooking Houston, the Houston Dynamo for the game against mm-hmm. Minnesota, but who really knows? But you know that this team's going to come out against uh, Sporting Kansas City. They're going to be hungry. They're going to be looking to continue to climb up the ranks in the Western Conference. So once again, FC Dallas on Wednesday, October 14th, which is whenever this is it's tomorrow tomorrow night be sure to watch that game because they're coming off of a break they they're going to need their support it's in dallas so they're going to be selling tickets so everyone be sure to go to that game and support fc dallas because who knows what's going to happen with covid and everything and you could say that about any sport but right now especially with the mls it's getting towards the end of the season so hopefully that they can finish on a high note here especially coming into this week with typically you have two games, you have three games this week. They're going to need all the support that you can get. And that's everything. Very compelling. Not good enough. I mean, I don't know, maybe. (laughs) So the one week where I don't have a whole lot to say about it is the one week that you're saying maybe. We get a maybe now instead of a no. I mean, yeah, you don't have a whole lot to say, but there's not a whole lot else going on. There really isn't. So right now, FC Dallas is very much in the hunt for an MLS playoff, uh, an MLS Cup playoff spot. So what else are you going to watch? You're going to watch the Cowboys just barely beat the Giants without Dak Prescott now, or are you going to watch the MLS where FC Dallas? can come out and very much like the Dallas stars, they can come out and they can beat you four to two or they'll lose two nothing. So you never know which team is going to come here. And the person who does the play by play calling is the same guy that does the Mavericks radio play by play. So at least you can have a familiar voice there and uh, you can kind of feel like you're watching the Mavs, I guess, but he gets very much into it and it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to listen to. So make sure you watch this week because we're getting down to the nitty gritty here, people. Mm-hmm. So let's make sure that we're watching rooting for FC Dallas. So onto the stars. There's, um, news news i wouldn't say that there's a lot 
to discuss with the stars, which is unusual, just because ever since we've started this podcast. It's unusual for us, for this podcast. Yeah, for this podcast to not have a whole lot to discuss, but we can still discuss a few things. So I mean, the draft happened. The draft happened, which is big. Um, free agency has started. Free agency has started, which is big, and there's been names just going around. And one thing we should have really kind of... Um, one thing we really should have kind of said before we got into the whole offseason talk was that we understand that the stars didn't have a whole lot of money to play with whenever it came to free agency and who they can sign and all that stuff and whenever we were talking about like last week last week whenever we were talking about taylor hall before the big move yeah petrangelo and all that stuff like it just to me it still seems like the big moves are signing everyone that needs to be re-signed yeah, like that's just a, and Sekera so far has been that move before all the big moves. Just because ever since Sekera was signed, now Rick Bonus is now the head coach. Uh, Anton Hudobin has been signed now to a three-year deal and is now permanently here in Dallas for the time being. Uh, Radic Foxa now has his deal, five-year deal, his five-year deal worth sixteen two five million. So that's solid like that's a good deal and joel lesperance has got his two-way deal as well which we knew less caps you know and lesperance dude i'm telling you that's th- fun to say francisco francisco <laughs> it's not funny if you explain it yeah no i'm sorry so it's just, i mean all the things that we were saying that needed to happen so far have happened and another thing that gives you a lot of promise is uh that hence and Garyanov both have still gone without an offer sheet from another team. So what that leads me to believe is that they are in very, very close talks with the Stars yeah, about even, getting, even getting other teams. Yeah, are like, like don't even bark so up that many, tree. So many other teams are kind of looking at it, just saying. And it, if you look at and on most websites that like the Score or Bleacher Report or ESPN or NBC. There's there's always this best of the rest kind of thing. And mm-hmm. you look at like who's the best forwards and the best centers that are still available. According to every list, uh, Rupe Hintz and Denis Garyanov have been left off of them. So they so like they're, like they're they're, not, they're there are other they're not being viewed as still available. Then see, I don't know if that's like a slap to the face to the stars and everything that they've done, or if they kind of look at it just saying like, well, we know that they're going to d- get a deal because I know that last year Sebastian Ajo or uh, two years ago Sebastian Ajo was still listed as the best available free agent but he was a restricted free agent so I just I, I don't know like what the deal is here but it's it it still shows a lot of promise that hence and Garyanov have not gotten any offer sheets from anyone right and Sean Shapiro is saying like to not even worry about it. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I wouldn't be worried about it at all. I think that by the time that we record next week, that's where that money's going to go. Hence why, no pun intended, but hence why Yanmark has now left and signed with the Blackhawks. Which for all of those people out there that are sitting there that uh, saying that this this was a mistake to let Yanmark walk, and how big of a deal he was on the penalty kill. To that, I would say you don't really bring in a guy like Yanmark to be a big penalty kill guy. You bring in a guy like Blake Como to be a big penalty kill guy. You trade for Andrew Cogliano 
to have him be a big penalty kill guy. Like, like it's almost like you're upset that the stars are letting Corey Perry walk because he put his stamp on the power play. Like it's like, you don't bring in Corey Perry to be, to be a penalty kill guy. You bring him in here to be a point producer. And that's what Yanmark was supposed to be. And he just wasn't, he just wasn't. So, and two guys that may or may not know a thing about hockey Whenever it comes to Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, now his teammates in Chicago, and they're, they're complaining. They have been very critical, not just of Yanmark signing, but they were very of critical of every the, the single thing. They let done. Corey Crawford walk. They traded Brandon Sod. Like everyone that was like these big pieces, and and Patrick Kane especially has been sitting there. Jonathan Taves especially has been sitting there saying that every year we want to win. We're like we were never told that we were going into a rebuild, and that was never ran by us at all. We always want to win, and so it's going against those guys. So every move that the Chicago Blackhawks have made so far has been a disappointment to two of the best hockey players on the face of the earth. Uh, Duncan Keith is gone as well. Uh, uh, actually, I don't know about that one. Duncan Keith might still be there, but still, like it's just yeah. a lot of those yeah. core guys are very upset with the moves that they have made. Mm-hmm. And Yanmark is not like that big move that people have looked at it and said, oh, he's the one that's going to fix things. Yeah. No, he yeah. is like the prime guy that you sign that if he needs a contract, you give it to him. He's going to put asses in the seats. But he's not going to produce the way that you really need him to produce. And he has always been that way for the Stars. And I've been saying ever since the start of this that you let Yanmark walk. So I would not get upset by this. What I do think that that says, though, is that there is one more move left to be made by the Stars. That's not going to be Hintz or Giryanov. I think that they're going to sign some nobody. And it's not going to be Tyler Ennis because he's going back to... Edmonton, which is upsetting, but I think that there's someone out there that Jim Nill kind of has his, he has his eyes set on that's going to fill that role just perfectly, and maybe that person is Mark Pesic, who is one person that the Stars have just recently signed. The thing that makes Mark Pesic so great is that he is one of three people still left in the league, because this was big in the 20s and 30s. You don't see this so much anymore. But this guy has played forward and defenseman in the same season. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and he even he even said he wants to stay a defenseman, but he's willing to do whatever it takes to get on the ice. You know who else has done that? I said he's one of two or three people left in the league that has still done this. The other person, Jamie Alexiak. He, not last season, but the season before, had to make that switch to forward. And he had to learn how to play that system. So what that means is, is you now have a defenseman who is very smart and whenever it comes to how the game is played, because most defensemen, a defenseman who can think like a like a forward. Yes. So there's like that might be the only move that they make is Mark Pesic and it's it's, it's kind of like that Saturday Night Live skit wherever he's like, there are no vowels in his last name. I'm not taking a single chance at trying <laughs> to pronounce it. a K and a J right, right next, next to, to each, each other. other. So that's a no. <laughs> so this is kind of one of those things. It's P-Y-S-Y-K. Oh, no. 
Yeah, P-Y-S-Y-K. Yeah, P-Y-S-Y-K. But it's pronounced Pesic. So there you go, guys. He has a hat trick. Let's go do that hockey. We got to go do that hockey now. So I think that this is so smart because now most of the time, teams can either have 14 forwards mm-hmm. and... Uh, six defensemen, or but now you're, but now you're now maximizing you're, yeah, now both. You're, yeah, so you now can get him to kind both. of play. Of course, he wants to play defensemen, and you're going to bring him in. There's your replacement for uh, Stephen Johns. Right there is Mark Pesic, because they let Galvin Bay Ruther walk. He now signed with the Wild. I don't the remember. Blues. You don't sent remember. me something. So yeah, I sent it to you, but I don't remember. I don't. I don't either. But they let Galvin Bay Ruther walk. He's gone. He gone. So now this gives the younger guys a lot of time to kind of learn the system and get to the place where they need to be. Mm -hmm. Mark Pesic is probably the perfect signing. And this is Jim Mill. Jim Mill. Jim Mill. I'm Mill. (laughs) This is another thing that Jim Mill just kind of weaves in and out of traffic here and finds that perfect signing. So you need to understand that this is that person that's going to replace not only uh, not only Roman Polak, but also could be a person that could replace Yanmark, not on a permanent basis. Yeah. Because they, they have signed Joel Esperance, and he might be that next person that's going to fill in right there yeah, for I think Yanmark. He's, I think he's the next guy up. You, I mean, you have to. But if it does not work out, you've got someone now that has played both sides of the yeah both sides of the aisle here, and it, it like this off season, as long as they can get Hints and Garyanov back, that's a success because they've done what they needed to do. Bonus is the coach. Anton Hudobin is now the backup. He is. Anton Hudobin is back as the backup, which is what we needed in the first place. And then you've got Joel Esperance where you're signing and you're 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 really investing in your future. And then you bring in Mark Pesic, who mm-hmm. in Florida was one of the very few bright spots of that team that has really gone under the radar. And this is gonna be another one of those signings. So I yeah, I mean you look at it and you, you watch that interview that Jim Nill did and he's talking about like there's a there's a lot of teams that are going to be moving uh, big pieces to make room for what they need to do, what they need to get done as far as in the cap. And the stars are in a position where they don't really need to do that. The one thing that I see that the cap where the cap really, really hurts them is like what I said last week. It's that $3 million difference between what the cap was going to be and what it is now. And I still think that's Corey Perry right there. And Corey Perry was huge this year. He was huge in the playoffs. In the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Especially in the, in the playoffs. playoffs. In the playoffs. But if you want to get down to like the nitty gritty, Corey Perry had a very below average regular season. He just came big and not, uh, he looked good in that first series with Calgary, but he really didn't shine until the Stanley Cup Finals. Whenever they needed him most, that's when, and of course, like you look at that and you say, yeah, like this is why we bring you in here. Like Pavelski was big and uh, Perry was big in that Stanley Cup Final. But as a whole and the way that you look at the entire season, Corey Perry was just good for those six games. 
Everything else, it was just kind of, he did all the little things. But once again, it's the same reason. It's the same critique that I had against Sagan. You don't bring in Sagan for the little things. What you don't bring in Corey Perry for the little things. And he came out and he did what he needed to do in that Stanley Cup Finals and did the big things. And that is why, of course, that $3 million is where you lose Corey Perry. Yeah. But I think that that's a good $3 million that you don't invest in Corey Perry. But you also, you're losing Corey Perry, but you're also not really getting a comparable replacement. No. I mean, it's in- like like we could be talking about instead of uh, the $3 million costing him Corey Perry, that $3 million might have cost him Tyler Toffoli. Yeah, but I mean, I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Say, I'm just saying, like another another uh, offensive presence. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's that's all I'm saying. And and Corey Perry is obviously the one who most likely isn't being brought back. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Corey Perry's gone to somewhere else, and it just so it's just, someone else just has to step up and do that job. And maybe this is Ty Delandria's moment here yeah because he the big thing was is that with the nhl especially whenever you're under a specific age if you play less than 10 games in a season then that does not count as one year of being uh, of of nhl experience and so that means that ty delandria has another year now well i guess ty delandria doesn't have the year but the stars now can use that year against ty delandria Mm -hmm. and say like okay well if you come up and you do great, you still are going to be an RFA at the end of your contract just because your first year wasn't even technically your first year in the league. Like we had you on yeah. the roster, but you didn't play the game, so it doesn't even matter. So maybe it this doesn't is, even matter. Maybe this is that moment where Ty Delandria can kind of step up and really be that guy, that missing piece yeah. that a lot of people are hoping that he can be because Riley Tufty is not working out. And Ty Delandria was that first round pick in 2018 in Dallas where everyone went, who? Like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, why Ty Delandria? But then he's looked great. Yeah. In the OHL and the AHL. <clears throat> And so here we're hoping that maybe letting Corey Perry walk, not making that big name signing this offseason, just bringing back the pieces that you have to bring back, you're really hoping that your future really is as bright as it seems. Yeah. So I'm thinking that the last few moves that Dallas is going to make this offseason is going to be Hintz and Garyanov, and then that's it. Like Mark Pesek is a huge pickup for them. And I like you can really look to the future now going forward, not like the Rangers saying we're going to be younger going forward. Like the stars are pretty much just like, we know we're going to be younger. We're going to make it happen. This last, this last postseason was a memorable one, but now we need to start kind of setting the tone for our future. And here we go. This is going to be you those moments. You got to think about the little dude's future. Got to think about the little dude's future. I'm thinking about mother, mother earth's future. So, <laughs> That's the Dallas Stars. I don't know if I really have anything else to add. Like, they've done everything that they've needed to do so far. Mm-hmm. Foxa, uh, Hudobin, Bonus, Lesperance. Let's get Hens and Garyanov, and we're fucking set. Yeah. You want to move on? Yeah, let's move on. All right, let's move on. So, not including the injury to Dak Prescott, which obviously is a tragedy. And you've got to feel for that man. Like, I know that we've already covered this in the beginning, but like, it just, 
as cutthroat as this is, Dak Prescott's injury does make Jerry Jones look like a brilliant businessman. I don't know. I, I didn't discuss whether or not I was going to say this on the podcast, but I'm saying it now. It really does make Jerry Jones look like a smart businessman because he, now he is not under this long contract that you have to pay, kind of like with Steven Johns and the Dallas Stars right now. You don't have to worry about paying this contract. At the end of this year, Dak Prescott's just done. Even though he's not really done, but you just don't his know con- what his future his, looks like. His contract is up, and the injury is definitely going to hurt him when it comes to negotiations. So here's, here's what I think happens. Again, I think you franchise tag him again. Can you? Yes. Of course you can. Why wouldn't you be able to? And, well, there's a limit. Yeah, but they, they still, like, they're not near that limit just yet. So I think you, I think you franchise tag Dak Prescott again. See where he goes next year, and then see where you pay him that contract. Well, Stephen Jones did uh, did come out and say that they believe that Dak Prescott is the Cowboys' future. He didn't say in the future; he said the future. So that's promising. Uh, <clears throat> but like, like you said, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a different spin on basically what you said. This is one of those things as a Cowboys fan, you look at it and just for, as a person, you look at the, uh, you look at the injury and you look at it knowing that Dak doesn't have a contract for next year yet. You know, as a Cowboys fan, you know, like in your bones, that Jerry Jones is going to lowball him 100%. Dak Prescott is not getting paid next year, period. They might franchise tag him and then renegotiate. Or they might say, hey, like you don't want to play here? Don't play here. Good luck finding somebody who's going to take you. That's the type of ruthless shit I could see Jerry Jones pulling. Yeah, but I mean, does that surprise you? No, I'm yeah. just saying that's awful. Yeah, no, it's, it's terrible. terrible. It's terrible. Horrible. But in the end, this is why it's lucky breaks like this that, no, no pun intended, yeah. I'm so sorry. I did not mean yeah. for that to sound like I was being insensitive and trying to make a joke out about, uh, about this. But it's lucky breaks like this that make smart businessmen look even smarter you know like the harder you work the luckier you get kind of thing and whenever it comes to Dak Prescott he's only been franchise tagged twice okay and you can do it three times okay so yes there is enough room to franchise tag Dak Prescott one more time and I think that's what's going to happen because because I think that in the end Jerry Jones might be a businessman but he's also a human being that that's not proven technically he's a human being or at least he <laughs> wants to pretend or he wants to he wants show to appear, appear like, yeah. to the public that he's a human being and i think that the like the best thing that he could do is to franchise tag at Dak this, prescott at again point, yeah of yeah, course at this point that's that's not only saving his own butt from having to renegotiate but it's also it's a pr stand it's 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 an olive branch i think to dak yeah yeah, and I, I do, anyone else on the face of this earth earn something like that? No. Other yeah, than Dak you, Prescott? No, 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 no. Nobody deserves it more than Dak Prescott. Yeah. He he deserves. He should have had the deal. He should have had the deal. He should have had the. He should have had the deal. But moving forward, I think Jerry Jones. Everybody knows that Jerry Jones has Dak Prescott over a barrel right now. 
Jerry and Dak included. And I think what happens, I think you're right. I think for PR sake and just because it appears that they have a decent relationship, uh, just from a person to person, you franchise tag them and you say, hey, we want you here and we want to see what you can do next year. And we'll renegotiate from there. Because if if we're going to renegotiate right now, we don't know how you're going to come back. And nobody's going to be happy with the money that you'll get. Right. I mean, but see, but the good, the beautiful thing about a franchise tag is obviously it's, that's not determined by the organization. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's that's by the, by the, by the market. The, yeah. So... In the, it's like that's average, like right? it, it is yeah the league average for the, for, the, for the position for the top like it's like the top five quarterbacks in the league like what's the average of what they make okay and then that's so it's it, that's no chump change no so it, it would absolutely make sense for them to sign him back underneath because, a franchise tag because, uh, because even if it doesn't work out that's still a large mm-hmm. sum of money and, be, and because if you're not if you don't franchise tag him, he doesn't get hurt. You renegotiate a contract this year. You're paying him. Yes. He's he's maybe the top paid quarterback. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh. I, maybe. Yes. Maybe. 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 Yes. I know that Patrick Mahomes did just literally get the entire city of Kansas City. Both sides of both states. You know, Kansas yeah. and Missouri. Yeah. They, they, he's, they, they're Mahomes land now. Yes, it is. Yes. But, so... That I don't know if uh, I don't know if Jerry Jones gives Dak that. But, so let's, but, but let's, knows? but I mean, uh, like we we discussed that enough. Yeah. So now, unfortunately, and, to, and, and, and I mean, and as, as, move on. as cold as this might sound, we have to move on with Andy Dalton and how the rest of the season is going to look. I know whenever I texted yet, you, yet another redheaded backup quarterback that the Cowboys season is going to rely on. And I texted when as soon as I text you and I because I saw Dak Prescott break his leg. I thought it was his ankle. I didn't realize it was his leg. But I text you and I said Dak Prescott just shattered his ankle. And you text me back saying hello four and twelve. Yeah. And I believe that whether Dak Prescott was the starting quarterback or not at the end of that game, I still think that the game between the Cowboys and the Giants with the way that it was going was going to end the same way. Yeah. It wasn't like if Dak Prescott was in at quarterback the rest of the game that they that the Cowboys would have figured out how to beat that defense and to stop that offense and that they would have eventually overcome that deficit and just annihilated them. I could yeah. see it regardless who was the starting being quarterback close. with it being a final field goal yeah. that ends the game. With that being said, Andy Dalton did orchestrate a perfect, you can't even call it a two-minute drive. It was a less-than-minute drive, 48 seconds on your own 12-yard line, and you had to get within field goal range. Andy Dalton did what he needed to do, and he yeah, didn't put he come in. at He was like ten for eleven or nine he, for eleven. It was or something ridiculous. Like that? Yes, yeah. like there, he did have that fumble. He yeah, did have the fumbled snap. But you you have to kind of understand that something like that was going to happen. Oh yeah, if it happens again into that situation, if it happens again next week, then it's a problem. But one time in your first start, and you didn't even feel, you didn't even think it that wasn't you even would play a start. all year long. Wasn't yeah, even a start. Yeah. yeah, but he was starting the drive. So, but yeah, you're right. It wasn't even a start. But it was his. He just comes in, wasn't ready. His nerves were going. The him and the center weren't on the same page. I mean, he played. He played at TCU, so he's yeah. a local. I don't know if he is from the dfw you can't area tell but tell me 
but that he's, he's not yeah. he wasn't yeah. nervous he yeah. is from the area okay so that like you have you cannot tell me that that way like blake coleman in the stanley cup finals against the dallas stars was nervous in that first game mm-hmm. so if it's the team you grew up idolizing and cheering for and cheering for and all that stuff regardless whether, of if you're if playing you're play- for or against or them, against them yeah, you're, you're gonna going be to be nervous yeah. and so don't hold that against him too much and i don't think too many people are no. but it, but andy Dalton is one of those guys that you look at him and say, hey, he can take us into the season. It's not like you have to worry. And and another good thing is it's almost like, once again, Jerry Jones understood that it's almost like he knew this injury was coming to Dak Prescott. I'm not saying that he did, but it's almost like that. And Mike McCarthy knows what it's like to have this top-tier quarterback get injured and not play the rest of the year. Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone one year, and he had to go with backup quarterbacks like Seneca Wallace and Matt Flynn and a bunch of players that just did not know how to play the game. And now he's got a backup quarterback that knows how to play the game has been a starter and has played playoff games. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like he knew that Mike McCarthy would know how to handle an injury to an all-star quarterback. So if you want to really kind of put a positive spin on this, you at least have that going for you is that yeah. Mike McCarthy knows how to handle a situation like this. Right. But here's the, here's, here's the other side of that. The problem was never Dak Prescott. The problem was never the offense. The problem still isn't the offense. But you needed Dak Prescott to play out of his mind to this point. He had almost 2,000 yards passing to when he got injured. F- what, four or five games into the season? Yeah, and all everyone wants to talk about is Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and how but great you, they've but, been. But, but, but Dak you, Prescott with deserved that. Yeah. With that, now you're two and three. You were one and three? Yeah. And now you're two and three with a quarterback that was that is third not, best in the league that is best. Third best in the league? Yeah, third best. Like, 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 I'm telling you, like, everyone's talking about this year where it's Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and who's going to be the league MVP, like, who, whatever. Like, Dak Prescott is one of those quarterbacks, which is unusual to hear a Dallas Cowboy quarterback going under the radar. But Dak Prescott really was the league's best-kept secret. No one was talking about how great Dak was playing. Everyone just likes to talk about how bad the Cowboys' defense got is playing. Gotcha. I thought you were saying that Andy Dalton was going to be the third no, best in no, the no, league. No, no, no. I'm talking like, about Dak. No. No, I'm talking no, about Dak. What I, was, what I was saying is no, you're, you're missing that. And you're going with Andy Dalton. Yes. No yes. disrespect to no, Andy yeah. Dalton. Uh, well, he's not a miracle worker. No, he's not. No, he is not. And and offense wasn't the problem in the first place. No, it wasn't. And now it is a problem on top of the defense, now, which is what I which now, I is what it, I hear. I don't think it would be a problem necessarily, but it's it's not going to be good enough to make up for the problem. So maybe this is going to force Mike McCarthy to really make sure. I'm wondering if who's the defensive coordinator for Dallas right now. I couldn't tell you. Stand by. Vegas is trading a Chan Gailey, Nate Schmidt to Vancouver. Yeah, I saw that. Crazy. Dave Campo. <laughs> Dave Campo. The third Ryan brother. Mike Nolan. Mike Nolan is the defensive coordinator right now. Who? 
Mike Nolan. I know. So I'm. Oh, you know they could hire Dan Quinn. He just got fired. So see, he was a defense, defensive yeah, guy. So that's what I'm saying. Like, do you at this point do you fire Mike Nolan because an zero and four Giants team put up thirty four points on your defense? Mm-hmm. At what point, like? If they would have lost this game, you could have argued that Mike McCarthy's job was in jeopardy. I don't think it should have been because it's not fair. You you have to give a head coach more time. But I'm wondering if Mike Nolan should be fired because whatever he's doing is not working. And definitely not. Mike McCarthy needs a defensive coordinator that can run the defense. Is this Mike Nolan's first year? I don't know. We should be more prepared, but we're not. That's not that type of. It's not that type of podcast. <clears throat> Someone out there, show me who's prepared for something like this. Well, Jerry Jones, apparently. Mm, we're probably just as prepared, if not more prepared, than Jerry Jones. Uh, no, it is not his first job. He no, his first year with the Cowboys. Oh, his first year. Oh, with the Cowboys. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I'm, I'm I'm thinking that unfortunately since it's his first year, you you don't you don't fire him yet. Yeah, I think I think he's proving. But so see, but here's that, here's the difference. Not working, here's but. here's the difference though is that the Cowboys last year were 25th in the league in their secondary. Now they're next to last. So they've somehow progressed worse. Maybe it's because they don't have Byron Jones anymore. and it's. But it's just so funny because all before this week's game, Xavier Woods kept coming out and talking about how, well, not everyone plays every minute of every down. And yeah. you don't hear things like that. Like that's, a, that's the sign of a player who doesn't, doesn't care about every single play like yeah and then like the next day jimmy butler played 47 minutes and 12 seconds in a nba finals game that only went 48 minutes it's like really are you saying you're saying that no athlete takes every play seriously ben well it's he i don't (laughs) think he was talking about athletes but he was just talking about football players and and like every football player doesn't take every down and you're sitting there and you don't let and xavier woods is probably number one you share a name with a professional wrestler that you could obviously that you could argue is more famous than you are and number two that's not something that you want to hear someone that's getting paid millions of dollars to play a game for our entertainment to not even try as hard as he can every single play like it was like whenever randy moss wouldn't even put his uh, mouth guard into his mouth whenever he knew that it was a running play like it's 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 like like you hear something like that and it's like that's that's unacceptable that is not good enough like if i was getting paid millions of dollars to clean a floor i'm gonna make sure that that floor is clean a hundred percent of the time and it like if you're not going to take every play seriously, then that shows the state of mind that this defense has. And attitude of, attitude reflects leadership. Yep. And you don't get much more leadership than your defensive coordinator. So if Mike Ryan wants to keep his job, I think maybe I mean, since... Mike Nolan. I'm sorry, Mike Nolan. Since Mike Nolan wants to keep his job, maybe he gets in their fucking asses this week. Definitely not Mike Ryan, the uh, country singer. Not Mike Ryan, the country singer. I'm sorry. But we love you too, bud. We do. We do. Come out with, an, with a full-length album, not an EP. Please. Please, a full-length album. But whenever it comes to Mike Nolan, I think that since they won, he gets to keep his job. But if they lose next week... 
if they lose next week and the and and it was it was a shootout, you've got to let them go because obviously something is is not right behind the scenes whenever it comes to this Cowboys defense. Yeah, and it's I I don't know if it's Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy that that last play that he called at the end of the first half whenever uh who's number eleven is that Gallup? No, who's who's number eleven? <sighs> I know it used to be Beasley. We're fucking terrible at this. But they threw they threw a touchdown pass to Dak Prescott. Like it was Ezekiel Elliott going around and then it was a reverse and then a pass to Dak Prescott. Like you don't get calls like that, especially offensively, if you don't have Mike McCarthy as your head coach. I and mean he, I, I mean that was just the, it that was the Philly special. They just did it in Dallas, but yeah. Yeah, but still, but you, like you don't. Jason Garrett's not going to call a play like that. So it's not the offense. Clearly, is not the problem. It's it's obviously the defense, and like maybe Mike Nolan gets another chance, but I don't know if he should. I know it's his first year, but like if the Cowboys really are in a win now mentality, I think that there's a better defensive coordinator that you can go get. Oh yeah, Ed Wilson, by the way, is the number eleven who threw that pass. So it was still it was a hell of an execution like yeah, it was a yeah. perfect execution and it really set the tone where it was like okay well we're gonna set we like the end of the first half is gonna end our way we're gonna go into the locker room with all of the momentum and even if this game ends up being close which it was that right there set the tone for all of it even even with Dak Prescott getting injured you just knew, you just knew that the Cowboys were still going to find a way to pull this out because everything was working in their favor. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those things where as a Cowboys fan, it, oh God, this season is so crazy, but we're still talking about the same things. You know what I mean? We're still talking about the quarterback. We're still talking about the defense not being able to get it done. Now, now we're not questioning the uh, play calling. That's good. Hooray! Yeah, I mean, you've got to get somewhere eventually. Yeah. And you've got a young enough team to make it happen. Well, maybe, uh, I think Dak Prescott's career just got significantly shorter. So, like, it's, it's going to depend. So, maybe Dak Prescott having the injury that he had and coming back the way that everyone thinks that he will because his injury was bad it was grotesque but it was not to the it level wasn't worst case scenario it was not to the level of alex smith it was not to the level of joe theisman yeah everyone instantly looked at that and said oh he'll be back yeah like it like it won't be this year but he'll be back right the the timetable that i've been that i've uh been seeing is four to six months the, the surgery was successful and the doctor is saying four to six months and he will be able to, I don't know if, if it meant four to six months and he'll be back to full strength or four to six months and he can start rehabbing. I don't know. Uh, but they, they're saying it's a four to six month recovery window. Um, here's a, here's a question for you though. Do you think because of this, the Cowboys draft a quarterback? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just because I, like going forward, it was it was smart to draft or not draft, but it was smart to sign a quarterback like Andy Dalton to be that backup. Just because 
if worst case scenario were to happen, then you would have someone that would be ready to go. But now that Dak Prescott has suffered this injury, you know that his future is not as far off into the future as you initially thought. This is eventually going to shorten his career, and he's eventually going to start to digress a lot sooner than someone, say, like Aaron Rodgers would. Because Aaron Rodgers, he's only broken his collarbone. Yeah, That's not something that's going to affect you long-term like a broken leg and a dislocated ankle would. It was his throwing arm, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So you could argue. No, it wasn't. No, nope. it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, yeah, it was, right. Nope, it was his left arm. So You're right. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, and even still, the Green Bay Packers decided to draft um, uh, from UCLA uh, Jared Love, and he's now the backup quarterback that's eventually going to overtake Aaron Rodgers' job. So, like, even even still, like, with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who especially this year is showing that maybe last year was just a fluke, his digression isn't really happening as much. We're still going to draft a quarterback that's going to be a replacement. So why wouldn't you? Maybe not in the first round. I don't think that they're going to spend their first no, round draft no, pick. But I, I think, think yeah. I think they're going to be drafting a quarterback a lot sooner than they're, they had anticipated. They're not going to pick up Trevor Lawrence. They're not. No. Go, they're not going for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. No, no. But they're it, not going to do it. But I could see them going for Sam Ellinger. No, because Sam Ellinger, I knew you were going to say no, that. Like I'm, maybe not, Alan Bowman I'm not from Texas that, Tech. I'm not saying no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's the one that they're going to really. Be in, he's not going to be in the draft, is he? No, he's no, a sophomore. No, no, no. no yeah, I'm not saying, I'm saying that that's saying the one that they would year, do, but like I, someone like that, like like someone who's going to fly under the radar, like Dak Prescott. Like I think, they'll get their think, future quarterback in the first, in like the fourth round. I think Ellinger's going to go in the fourth round. No way. I don't think so. I think I think Ellinger's done way too much, and he's put his name out there. I think there are just way too many teams that are in need of a quarterback now. I just don't like as a as a Longhorns fan. I'm looking at it. I don't see how his game translates to the NFL. But, uh, but anyway, I, underst- anyway. I understand that. But there are there are too many teams that look at a quarterback like that and say, "Well, we need someone that can produce now," and they're going to go out and they're going to go they're going to take that risk on him, whether it's going to be San Diego or well, we'll have to see how this how the how the college season plays yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I I don't I I think I have more confidence in Ellinger than you do. Oh, dude. My thing is that I don't think Ellinger will get a shot in the NFL, really. I think he'll get signed from the third or fourth round as like a, we'll keep him around as a backup, try to develop him into the future kind of thing. I think I think Ellinger's going to get the Colt McCoy treatment, treatment, not the Tim Tebow treatment. Yeah, but see, I think that Colt McCoy had everything laid out for him. It just, he just, it just sucked that he went to Cleveland. Yeah. And at that point, Cleveland, the only and he thing had that a winning Cle- record as a starting quarterback in Cleveland, by the, the way, the only thing that Cleveland had was Colt McCoy. See, with Baker Mayfield right now, they've actually put a team around that man. And now all the Cowboys fans that were freaking out about the loss last week, Cleveland proved this week that they are a team that is that good. It wasn't like you lost to the Browns of the past. Like this is a Cleveland Browns team that. Looked shaky against Indianapolis, yes, but they still came out with the win. Two three and one teams. Who was gonna fucking win? Going against Phillip Rivers, who is not just some ho hum quarterback. And they looked great. 
So Cleveland is kind of on the rise here, but I digress. Yeah. I I just I can just see the Cowboys going after a quarterback if they could get Ellinger in the fourth round. Then by all means, but I don't see them drafting a quarterback any higher than the fourth round. I would be surprised if they went with a quarterback in the fourth round. Like yeah. that, like that would be way too high. But I do see them drafting a quarterback this year, fifth maybe the sixth round just maybe to kind somebody, of see, somebody yeah. out of the FCS. Yeah. Someone, someone that might have some promise that might be able to make some noise and just see where it goes. And if that doesn't work out, Dak Prescott's window is still very wide open. It's yeah. just not as open as we thought it was. Yeah, that's true. So it, it's just going to depend on <laughs> where me. they want to go and how it's going to be. But I still think that the Cowboys still have three weeks of football that are very winnable, even with Andy Dalton as quarterback. Oh, yeah. Their whole division is winnable with Andy Dalton as quarterback. They got the Cardinals next week. They've got the Washington football team the week after that. Then they've got the Eagles after that. The thing is, is that going against Pittsburgh on the 8th of November... That's going to be a lot harder than I thought that most mm-hmm. people initially anticipated. Mm-hmm. Well, last year Pittsburgh looked dead. Yeah, and this they're they're one of the they're not undefeated anymore. I don't know, but they're still they're still one of those teams that are actually favored in the top five to win the Super Bowl this year. So going into that week, if the Cowboys really want to have a chance of being taken seriously as a contender in the entire National Football League, they have to beat Arizona, they have to beat Washington, they have to beat Philadelphia. These next three games are huge. It's kind of like what we were talking about with the Stars. You've got to get Rick Bonus back. You've got to bring back Anton Hudobin, Foxa, Lesperance, Hintz, and Guryanov. Like Each step is super fucking pivotal. So, the Cowboys have done their job so far. They beat the Giants this week, regardless how it looked. It was super fucking emotional. They went down early. They were able to come back and win. Of course, you can't do that against teams that are really good, like Cleveland did last week against Dallas. They held off the comeback. But they're beating the teams that they should beat, and hopefully, if they can win these next three games, which I honestly think that they could, even with Andy Dalton as quarterback, going into Pittsburgh, that's going to be such a huge, pivotal moment for them. And I think that they will have the confidence going into that game, especially with it being at home against Pittsburgh. That's going to be just such a huge development as well. Yeah, and... and Moving forward with Andy Dalton, one thing that I that I was thinking about as you were talking because I wasn't paying attention to what you were saying, uh, but no, one thing that was in what the back else of my, is new? Yeah, what? We'll see what Pittsburgh does anyway, this week but, against the Browns. Yeah, in Pittsburgh. But but one thing that was in the back of my mind is now Andy Dalton has the benefit of moving forward. He knows he's the guy for this season at least, and I doubt he's thinking of it as a tryout for the Cowboys. I think he's going to use it as a tryout for another team. Yes, kind of very Corey Perry-esque. You Nick signed Foles. That Nick Foles. You signed that one-year deal. Yeah, let's keep it football. You yeah. signed that one-year deal. You do what you can, and you get your chance, and you prove that you can take a team like this that was one and three going into this week, and if he could take them into being a playoff contender, very Matt Castle-esque. Not saying that 
He didn't pan out. Yeah, Oof. no, no, he definitely did not. Brock Osweiler, yeah. once again, one yeah. of those things. But this is going to be a moment for Andy Dalton. This is his career. This is his family. His future is on the line here. If he can take the Cowboys to the playoffs, maybe win a game or two, he's going to earn a big contract going somewhere else. So yeah. you know that Andy Dalton's going to be working his ass off for this moment. Not even just for his money, but just because he loves the Dallas Cowboys as much as the rest of us do. Yeah. I think, you're talking about winning a couple games in the playoffs, I think the only scenario where I could see Andy Dalton still being on the team next year is if the Cowboys do turn it around and win the Super Bowl. And I think that's the only scenario where next year Andy Dalton is still on the Cowboys, and I think he does it as the starter if they do that. But that is... I don't that think is so, man. A pipe dream. The yes. Cowboys are not going to win the Super Bowl. If the Cowboys win the Super Bowl with Andy Dalton, that would be very Nick Foles esque. Yeah. But look at look at where Philadelphia is. Even though Nick Foles took them to a Super Bowl and won over Tom fucking Brady too, Nick Foles still is not the starting quarterback in Philadelphia this year. They know that Carson Wentz is their guy going forward, and they are living and they, dying by that. They they benched him for Jalen Hurts already. I'm just I'm just no I know, but I'm just talking about like with Nick Foles. If you want to go that way, Nick Foles took them to a Super Bowl, and they still chose Carson Wentz over him. And Carson Wentz is no Dak Prescott. So I think that even if even if the Cowboys do win the Super Bowl with Andy Dalton at the helm, he will not be with the Cowboys next year. That's I don't fair. think so. I think That's going fair. forward, it's going to once Dak Prescott is healthy and ready to go, you go with Dak Prescott. Oh, I believe, I, yeah, I believe that one hundred percent. So I'm not convinced that the Cowboys are smart enough to know that. I think the only way that Andy Dalton stays with the team is if he does good enough, but not great. Uh huh. Maybe if he takes him to the playoffs and loses in the first round, Andy Dalton will be back. But if he makes some noise and he really does great things with the Cowboys, wins several playoff games, maybe go to a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl, then I, I think that he's earned a contract. And you're so confident that the Cowboys can't win with Andy Dalton. I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than you I'm are. Not, I'm not saying they can't win with Andy Dalton. I'm saying they can't win the Super Bowl with Andy Dalton. I think that— But that's, that, I don't think the Cowboys were going to win the Super Bowl with Dak— because of their defense. Yeah. I'm not convinced they're going to be able to turn that around. Absolutely. Absolutely. This offense looks like a Super Bowl caliber offense. But the defense is so bad. Yeah. Because even we thought we thought after week one, they held L.A. to, you know, 17 points or whatever. And LA. we L.A. And we thought, oh, man, the defense looked good. The offense looked kind of shaky. And it, looking at it now, it's like, nope. L.A. is not putting points on the board. Even whenever the one Super Bowl that Mike McCarthy did win in Green Bay, they had a top 10 defense. Right. Right. They still had Charles Woodson. They still had Nick Cousins. They still had uh, all of these guys. That, uh, um, uh, oh, my God. What was the name of that big guy? That, Chibacha Biamila? No, 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 no. He was way. <laughs> no, the other guy. Uh, B.J. Raji. They oh, still, B.J. They, Raji. They had B.J. Raji. And so they still had a defense. And they still had Cheeseburger Eddie. <laughs> it ain't easy being, being cheesy. 
they did they did not have Terry Crews on their team. No. But uh but even still like that one Super Bowl they did win, they had to have a good defense. Yeah. I was I, Cheeseburger Eddie, that was Eddie Lacy. Uh, obviously I know he's no, not Eddie on Lacy the, was not on the team then. He was I thought no. he was a running back. No. Oh, well. No, he hadn't. I. Uh, it was 2012 that they drafted him as in their first round. So Eddie Lacy was uh, not on the team yet. Well, so Cowboys fans, I, I, I think that these next three weeks are super pivotal, very winnable games. They should win. I think if you drop any of them, then it's it's. I think this season is finished. And I hate to be that way because you can always come back and end up surprising people. But I just think that the road is too. The road is. But see, but the the Cowboys right now have the easiest remaining schedule of any team in all of the NFL. So if any team could survive an injury to their starting quarterback, especially a starting quarterback to the caliber as Dak Prescott. I think this is the this is the schedule that can do it. Just because you lose to Pittsburgh does not mean that the season is going to be over by then. But you should beat Arizona. You should beat Washington. And you should beat Philadelphia because Philadelphia and Washington right now just look like garbage. They're booty. Arizona, it depends on who shows up. So it's all going to depend on this next week. If Andy Dalton can kind of shake off the nerves and it's in Dallas still. So it's not like that the team has to worry about traveling. So Mm -hmm. I think that this season still is very salvageable. And I'm not just saying that just because I'm trying to pander to an audience. If I honestly thought it was done, I would admit it, but I still think that this season is very salvageable. And I still think that having a nine and seven, 10 and six record is, is doable for this team. That's fair. I think it's I think it's doable as well. I just want to clarify. I do think it's doable. But I also think that it's more likely now that this team could go 4 and 12. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I really do. That's why I'm saying these next 4 weeks are are these next pivotal. 3 weeks, I guess, are super pivotal. Like yeah. if you want to include this last week, they did what they needed to do. They beat a very bad New mm-hmm. York Giants team. Mm-hmm. And now they've got three more really bad teams in front of them and they've just got to do what they need to do and things are going to be great yeah things are going to be good not great yeah yeah did you want to talk about college football yeah let's do it let's do it because this this week with college football it's funny that we (laughs) we're saving college football for the very end but i I, there are a few things that i do want to discuss whenever it comes to college football so since you are the college football fan expert Compared to the two of us, why don't you go ahead and lead us off? Because I'm assuming since you asked that you had something you wanted to talk about. Oh, I mean, I just we we started it last. With it being hate week. Yeah. Okay. The Longhorns lost. We'll stick strictly to the Big Twelve. But but but, but. it was it was one of those games where the longer it went, the crazier it got. Four overtimes. You know. Yes, it's hate week, but that's one of those games where you're walking out of the parking lot, you see an Oklahoma fan if you're a Texas fan, or you see a Texas fan if you're an Oklahoma fan, no matter who won, you look at each other and you go, man, that shit was crazy. Whew. What a game, right? Yeah, because yeah, I remember. Missed field goals, blocked yeah, field goals. That missed field goal. Four the, overtimes. Which which overtime was that with the... With, the third. Yeah, the third. The third. I remember they seeing blocked, that and I thought it was done. They blocked the field goal. 
And I was like, ah, oh, shit. Here we go. Then they missed the field goal. Yeah. Then then Oklahoma missed the field goal. Right? Uh, so it's it, it was one of those games, right? The Longhorns specialize in those games. Every Longhorns fan you know, their blood pressure is higher now that Tom Herman is the coach. Like it's just a it's just a, a guarantee. That's just how his football teams work. You're gonna have a heart attack every week. Um, the uh, going into the DFW area. Let me. No, well, okay. I I would say like we we don't even have to just keep it within the DFW area just because I know, I, I, know. I, I think that the DFW area is Big Twelve football. So I yeah. think that there's so many different things that need to be addressed. So, but if you want to just talk about the DFW area, well, there's was, no shame in losing to Kansas State. Uh well, what I was going to bring up first is SMU still undefeated. Yes. Just uh, if we're going to rub salt in the uh, in the TCU wounds, but <laughs> but what I will say is Kansas State looks to be better this year than we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. They lost to Arkansas State, which is embarrassing. Embarrassing. Since then, they've rattled off three straight wins, beat Oklahoma last yes. week. Yeah, not not just like nobodies, but and 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 Texas Tech. They beat Texas Tech last week, and it wasn't even close. The, Texas Tech put up as big of a fight as they could have against Texas. Like they they did everything but win that game. And then Kansas State comes out and just manhandles them. Yeah. So, TCU, your defense is is going to be what is going to keep you in games this year. And it's going to, it's, unfortunately, I think that the offensive identity is just not, it's just not there with, uh, with Gary Patterson teams in general, you know, but... <laughs> Kansas, I mean, look at this. Kansas State held uh, Texas Tech to 21 points. They held Oklahoma to 38 points. Or 35 points, excuse me. That's still a lot of points. That's a lot of points. That's a but lot you, of points. You look at Oklahoma's uh, average, you think you go into that game and you think 35 points, that's not enough for Oklahoma. Dude, 35 points is a lot of points. I know it's a lot of points. I'm saying for Oklahoma, that's typically not the the point. I mean, and it wasn't enough against that team either. That's typically not the the score that's going to win you games in Oklahoma. So, what do you think the chances are that Kansas State wins the Big Twelve? It, it's I mean, looking like it might come down to Kansas State and Iowa State right now. Oklahoma I know State. Oklahoma State looks great, and but the, Oklahoma State hasn't played any of the big boys yet. So we'll see where Oklahoma, but but Kansas State and Iowa State, at least Kansas State has shown that they can hang with the big boys. And Iowa State is always, we talked about last week, one of those football teams that can shock the world any fucking week of the season. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, Oklahoma State, I'm not trying to discredit what they've done, but I'll believe it whenever they beat Texas or whenever they beat Oklahoma or if they can beat Kansas State or Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Then we'll fucking talk. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at Oklahoma State, they've only played three games. So they, they're... 
I understand. That's I, why. I'm, what, that's why what I'm, I'm saying, saying is. But what I'm saying is their point differential right now. They have outscored their opponents by a combined sixty three points. Yeah, but so so look who what, they played though. I know. I look know. Who they I, I know. <laughs> I know. But what I'm saying is. I think Ooh, they play Iowa State next week. I think Oklahoma State has a, an offense that is going to score at a rate that's on par with Texas and Oklahoma, but their defense is better than both of those teams. This right is now. Oklahoma State? Yes. Yeah. And so that's why I think Oklahoma State has to be part of this conversation because, of course, Oklahoma they State's, do. Oklahoma State's offenses are unquestion offenses unquestionably better than Kansas State and Iowa State, but. Who is it gonna? Is Iowa State and Kansas State gonna be enough? Uh, going to be able to play enough defense to keep Oklahoma State from getting on a roll? No, I agree, and that's. But the only thing that I have is what's in front of me. I know, and I. What I do know is that Oklahoma State has played Kansas and West Virginia. Like that's it. Like, and and their game against Baylor was postponed, so we don't have really that's anything true. to go off and, of that one. And they beat. Tulsa 16 to 7. And you just said that 35 points for Oklahoma is low for that team. So Kansas State has proven that their defense can step it's, up more than anyone else. It's not it's not necessarily low for that team on the year because Iowa State hold, held them to 30. So, yeah, so Iowa it's State just, and Kansas are the only for, two. I'm just telling you, yeah. Iowa State and Kansas are the only two teams that have held Oklahoma to a low amount quote air quotes low amount of points whenever it comes so I mean, that's even, why even i'm against, saying that even, those e- are the ones that really need the consideration yeah, to be big yeah. 12 champions right now yeah i mean you and you could even say that like going back to bash into ragging on oklahoma for a little bit uh always 31 points wasn't enough to beat texas yeah yeah you know yeah uh it took 53 points to beat texas <laughs> yeah Four overtimes. Four overtimes. So, Four that, overtimes. Like, so that's that's a little eh, you know. But yeah, and and SEC I know, doesn't I know play these, defense I know either. these Oklahoma fans are going to be like, "Oh, Sam Ellinger, the the Phantom Forty Seconds, blah blah blah." You weren't stopping that man. Right. Shut up. You right. weren't going to stop Forty Seconds. I don't care. They they were not in a rush for most of that final drive. That's that Forty Seconds right there. They were trying to score in the final thirty seconds. So just just sit down, okay? Just stop. Okay, so let's go ahead. So we've got Texas and Oklahoma out, out of the way. way. Out of the we way. Know, we know who, and I'm not even just talking about like us discussing it. I'm yeah. talking about the season. Texas and Oklahoma, done, gone. We've got the winner. So mm-hmm. we can kind of go ahead and look forward to the season here where you've got Iowa State and Kansas State, which are really those two as of right now on October 12th. 2020, those are the ones that are in the ultimate serious conversation for Big 12 champion. And I they, know they I, haven't played each other yet. They haven't. They play each other on November 21st, which is and going then, to be huge. And then if they, because, oh, dude, that's going to be really big because if they're both still the number one and number two teams, they're going to have to turn around and play each other again like three weeks later. Yeah, in the championship game. So it's 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 all going to depend to depend. So my question is out of Iowa State and Kansas State, which one do you buy the most? Iowa State. 
See, I'd say Kansas State because I think that Iowa State is always good for a. Iowa State is consistently good for a like like a solid upset, mm-hmm. and you never know what comes with that team. But then, whenever they play a team that's really bad, then they might not be able to rise to the occasion. Kansas State so far has shown, except for the first game of this season. But Kansas State has shown that no matter who they put, or who the NCAA puts in front of them, they're going to beat them, and not just beat them, but beat them pretty decisively. Here's what I'm why I'm saying Oklahoma, uh, Iowa State has the edge over Kansas State. Kansas State lost to Arkansas State to begin the year. That's embarrassing, right? Iowa also lost to begin the year to Louisiana. Also embarrassing, but Louisiana is 3-0. and They're undefeated right now. What has Arkansas State done? I don't know. That's why I'm saying head-to-head. Who, who, has, who has that team beaten, though? This, they're th- <laughs> no, I, they can only beat, like you say. Yeah, they beat can who's only in front of you. you. No, that's, why front of you. that's why but I'm Arkansas asking. Arkansas State is 2-2 two and two now. And their losses have come to... Coastal Carolina, Lob City, baby, and Memphis. Memphis, Memphis. Is, I was Memphis about to say Memphis, Memphis is, is an, not no, just it's some not, whatever. Yeah, it's not. It's that Memphis is not a team to shake your head at. Memphis is a Coastal, Division One team. Coastal Carolina absolutely is a loss to hang your head at. Yes, of course it is. But so is um, this. This is Kansas State that you're talking about. Yeah, Kansas State lost to Arkansas State. Yes, Arkansas State. Yes. And Coastal Carolina? No. Arkansas State has lost to Memphis and Coastal Carolina, whereas oh, okay, Iowa okay. State I see lost to Louisiana, okay, okay, who hasn't I'm lost sorry. to anybody. Yes, okay, I see what you're saying. Not that, not that their wins are going to be as impressive, but it is still impressive that Louisiana is winning their games, and the team that beat Kansas State hasn't done that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, so in the end... Regardless whether you think, because I say Kansas State, you say Arkansas, or Arkansas State, you say Iowa, Iowa State. State. Do you honestly see it holding up for the rest of the year? No, I don't either. No, I, I gotta be either. honest with you. I know, and that's such I a think- shame because it would be great if those two teams could come out as some sort of under the radar powerhouse. I think one of them stays. I don't think the other one does. Because oh, obviously, well, no, obviously, I'm, I'm one of about, them, I, I, obviously one of them is. Are you are, were you asking if either one of them? I'm talking about either one. Do you see mm. it like both holding up? I say no, just because. No, yeah, you're right. Just because I think eventually someone drops a game that they shouldn't drop, mm-hmm. and instantly everyone goes, "Well, the Big Twelve just isn't really that good," as opposed to the SEC. Whenever. Some random team just starts winning. Well, the Big in Twelve, there the Big Twelve hasn't earned the benefit of no, the doubt. Haven't. Let's no. throw that out there. Yeah, no, I know that's that's what I'm like. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's why I feel like that it it can't hold true to that. Yeah, uh, because they haven't. Oh, earned you're, you're that. asking you're asking if if one of them gets to the playoff. No, no, just oh, if okay. one of them is the ever like the Big Twelve championship. Got you. Got like you, if got you. Iowa State or Kansas State is playing for the Big Twelve championship at the end of the year. I think that they kind of have to, but it's still going to be one of those one of those situations where you're just it's it's very it's 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 very uninteresting. It's not the sexy pick. 
and in the end, whenever it comes to ratings and all that stuff, whenever it uh, also whenever it comes to the major networks, like that's the one that that's the main thing that's most important to the networks is what's the sexy team. So you'll still have Oklahoma or Texas playing for it. But it's 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 going Maybe. to be the other team. It's not going to be Iowa State and Kansas State playing for the Big 12 championship. I mean, Oklahoma and Kansas State would be a repeat of last year. So it's not like we're, ta- we're sitting here oh, talking no, like no, Kansas no, no. State yeah. never makes it. Like, I'm not saying I'm, yeah. that's not what I'm saying, but yeah. I'm just talking about like it's going to be just like last be, year for the for the Big 12 as a whole. You're saying it would be good if it if the for the first time since Baylor TCU, the Big 12 championship didn't have either Texas, Texas or, or Oklahoma, Oklahoma in, in it. it. I think so. I absolutely I would love to see if Iowa State and Kansas State were to were to obviously they can't win out. Someone has to beat one or the other, but yeah. it, but like that's and, the thing about college football that makes it fun is that you're sitting here and you're discussing like, well, who beats who and then who's going to get into this yeah. and who's going to be worthy of that. Yeah. That's what makes college football fun. The problem is, is that the decision is always wrong at the end of every single season. So here's, here's what I could see happening. All right, go ahead. I think there could be another three-way tie. Yeah, like in like in 08. Yeah, but instead of uh, eleven and one teams, it's going to be between three, eight, and two teams. Because I think that <clears throat> so Iowa State and Kansas State have to play each other still. So one of them is going to have a second loss, which drops them down to being equal in division play with Oklahoma, TCU, and Texas right now, as far as how many losses they have. I think, I personally, well, that, that's later on in the season, so it could, who, who knows, this all could be wrong. But I think, I think Texas or Oklahoma, one of the two of those wins out. I think it's more, I personally think that it's more likely to be Texas because I'm a homer. I don't care. So, yes. Oh, not even a homer. I don't live in Austin. I've never lived in Austin. It's well, just I was still, raised like, as a Texas you fan. You can't have that be your reason why you think they're going to win just because you cheer for them. No, like, no, you no. Have I'm, to, say, like, I'm like, saying I'm looking at that team more optimistically because of that. Okay, so which but, team, but, which but, team but, beats listen, Oklahoma listen. then? That's right. That's that's. Oklahoma left State. on their schedule. Oklahoma, okay, State. Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma. And you think Texas beats Oklahoma State? I think Texas beats Oklahoma State. Is yeah. it in Austin? Uh, let me look. No, it's it's in Bedlam. Okay. And but you still think Texas wins that game? I still think Texas wins that game because it goes Oklahoma, Baylor, then Texas. Sorry. Sorry, no, that's in two weeks. Uh, so who does Oklahoma State have before that? Let me look at this. Sorry, this is great podcasting. Iowa State. Oh, yeah, see, that's huge. I think huge. they're going to be so gassed up and for see, that's, Iowa uh, State. And see, that's like, honestly, they if might people overlook would Texas. look at the Big 12. And dude, it goes it goes Iowa State, Texas, then Kansas State. Dude, then, then Oklahoma. I'm, oh, my God, man. I'm o- telling you. Oklahoma how State's going to run the gauntlet this month. How can you not fucking see this? Like, every, if everyone would treat the Big 12 like they treated the SEC, you would be so much more entertained. Just because every single fucking game, 
in the Big 12 is What's always that? like, holy shit, what the fuck's going to happen? It's like With we, the SEC, like maybe you have like two teams facing each other thinking, mm-hmm. okay, well, if this team wins, if Alabama beats LSU, that's the SEC champion, you know, but it's with the big 12. It's never like that. It's like, well, if Kansas state can win out, then it's going to depend on if they play TCU, Texas, or Oklahoma, or if Iowa state wins out, then it's going to depend on if they play fucking Kansas state, Texas, or Oklahoma. It's just uh, like, it's, there's so much more entertainment and so much more competitiveness in the big 12 than there is in the SEC. I think, I think, I think, I think that that doesn't, and that's to me, that's not a knock on the powerhouse teams of the SEC. It's a knock on the SEC as a whole, yes, but it's that's not taking anything away from Alabama or LSU. No, other I'm than not this trying to take anything away Georgia from Georgia. It's more you know what, what I mean? the national media tends to focus on whenever it comes yes. to which is the most entertaining. Yeah, because the the Big Twelve, although you. I mean, they all it's, beat it's at the, each other. Yeah, it's 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 at the point now where it's it's so competitive that you you look at the season and you go ah were these were these great teams playing great football against each other or were these terrible teams playing terrible football against each other? It's hard to say because you don't have that clear cut. No, this team is amazing barometer like the SEC does with Alabama, and I think that's that's the the knock against your Oklahomas and your Texases. They're supposed to be those teams, and they're not. Oklahoma has been for the past five years, but not anymore, not this year. So that's the knock on the, on the Big 12 this year, is you don't have that clear-cut, no, this is an upper echelon team, and and we have everybody to... to you know that that's who that's the standard that to which we compare everybody else. But like you have in Alabama and the SEC, or in the Big Ten and Ohio State. Yes, you know, and it's like the Pac-12 has has fallen off drastically because for a while there it was, it was just always, USC. It was either USC or or Oregon. Or, or yeah. Oregon. yeah, after USC got Stanford uh, Reggie for Bush. like 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 a little window there with yeah. Andrew Luck, but really the Pac-12 has fallen off too, just because it's it's not that they're not competitive it's just there's not that one team to that that's the standard bearer so 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 going going back to oklahoma state the the game this week against baylor was postponed yes uh i'm assuming for covid reasons so their next games their next schedule goes versus iowa state at home versus texas at home at kansas state at Oklahoma. Jesus, dude. Then you want to talk about a gauntlet. Then TCU, uh, sorry, Texas Tech at home at TCU. And then the Baylor makeup game. Dude, I'm telling you, it's one of those things where you look at any game in the I Big 12. Lose, it's, I think they lose two of those games, man. It's like it's and and that's not completely out of nowhere to assume that. I think they lose to either Iowa State or Texas. I doubt they lose to Iowa State because they have an extra week to prepare. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the no Baylor game. Right. But I think they lose to either Iowa State or Texas. And then I think they... I think Oklahoma State loses to Oklahoma. All right. So let's ask this one last question here before we sign off. Who at the end of the year, because we never made this prediction yet, who at the end of the year is the Big 12 champion? Knowing what we know now. 
Well, okay, so that's what, what I was trying to bring up with the three-way tie. I think it could be... No, it's not who it could be. Who no, do you no, think I, it I will know, be? I know, I know, I know, but this is important. <laughs> so I think it's going to be a three-way tie between Oklahoma State, Iowa State, <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be a three-way tie between Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Texas. And I think that it's going to come down to they're going to it's going to be Iowa State and Oklahoma State playing for the national uh, for the uh, Big Twelve championship. And I think Oklahoma State takes it. Okay, see, I think it's going to be Iowa State and Oklahoma State playing for the championship, and I think Iowa State takes it. Takes it. I think this is finally that year that uh, that, that Matt Iowa, Campbell that, gets that it done. Iowa State finally finds a way to make it happen. Do they make the playoffs? No, 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 they do not. No, just because Iowa State is not that sexy team. But that is one of those teams. If you're, if you're walking of, out of a if you're walking out of a ten team conference with two losses, you're not going to the playoff, no, buddy. Of course, of course, <laughs> of course not. But it's just still one of those things that Iowa State has always been one of those teams that. Any Big Twelve fan looks at that date coming up next week, and you're, and you're never, like, you're oh never God. going. Oh yeah, that's a win. Yeah, especially if it's in Ames. It's not Ugh. like you're playing fucking Vanderbilt here. You know, like it's like you look at Vanderbilt in the SEC. You're like, ah, like we'll be fine. Yeah. But anytime you ever have to play Iowa State, whether it's there or here or wherever, that's always one of those games where you circle it and go trap game. Yes. Trap game yeah. every fucking year. The entire Big 12 is a trap game this year. Iowa State more than... This year, yes. This year, yes. This year, but yes. over because the last 10 at, years... Look, look, at the, look at the two teams that are leading in the Big 12 right now. They started their seasons with losses to Louisiana, Louisiana and, and Arkansas, Arkansas State. State. Yeah. Yeah, and now they're they're the ones that are ahead of everyone. Of course, every game is a trap game. Of course, whenever it comes to the rankings, Oklahoma State is ranked higher. But whenever you want to talk about strength schedule and who you've played and how you've won and all that stuff, it's Iowa State and Kansas State. And I'm, I, you know what, dude, I'm really gonna be pulling for Iowa State because they're kind of like the Cleveland Browns, the Los Angeles Clippers, like those teams that are never good. For a long fucking time. And now this is their chance. And I'm not saying I'm going to be like rocking my Iowa State shirt and being like, go Iowa State. But it'd be great, I think, for the sport, for the conference. Yeah. That a team like that could become the champion. Maybe play in the Sugar Bowl or some shit and get like a legit chance to show that they can beat these tough, these these yeah, upper echelon I think, teams. I think I think just winning the Big Twelve would not be enough. I think you're right. I no, think definitely they'd have not. to yeah. get a New Year's Six Bowl against a legitimately good team. You know what's probably, probably going to happen? SEC team. It's probably going to be like fucking Central Florida or like Boise State, like a team that is always like, oh well, they look good, but we're never going to give them their shot yeah. at the national championship. So we'll give you a Big Twelve team and see if you can beat them. And if they can, then it's not. It's never saying how good Boise State is. It's saying like, well, the Big 12 can't even beat Boise State. And it's always one of yeah. those things. So Iowa State has to be that team for the Big 12 that comes out of nowhere, wins and wins a fucking bowl game Dude. that that can really change the landscape of the Big 12. Because isn't, isn't the Sugar Bowl generally 
usually uh, Big 12 versus SEC? It's so hard to determine now. I know whenever the BCS was around, it was. And so it's, if it's that's so still, hard to if tell. If that's still the case, it could very well be Iowa State versus Georgia or Florida. See that, see, that would be great, but that would be throwing a bone to the Big 12, which is not something that the selection committee usually does. No, but that, that wouldn't be the... Uh, I mean, you say that, but nobody thought Texas belonged in the Sugar Bowl with Georgia two years ago. Everybody thought Georgia belonged in the college football playoff. So that was throwing a bone to the SEC. Sorry, so throwing a bone to the Big 12, putting them in a game that people didn't think they belonged in. Yeah, I know, and I don't mean to, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound like one of those Big 12 people that are like, oh, well, we never get a chance, and we should, but more times than not, because, I mean, especially... The SEC, does, or, sorry, not the SEC, the Big 12 does get left out. They do. Not as much as the Pac-12, but they still no, get left no, out. No, 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 no. And I'm not trying, once again, I'm not trying to play the victim card here, but it's just, it's, it's just going to... I just think the best thing that could happen for the Big 12 is if someone that's, that doesn't have the word Texas or Oklahoma in their university's name actually gets a chance at a New Year's Six Bowl and can actually really get a chance to beat someone that's not... Not just a, a cupcake school. Yeah, that's not something like that. That, like, honestly, like, yeah, you got, like, a school that's like, yeah, you got snubbed and you're undefeated. You got snubbed from the playoff bracket, but here's your chance. Yeah. Go ahead and prove it. Yeah. Like, it would be nice to see Iowa State and Georgia play each other. I would love to see that game. Oh, yeah. Iowa oh, State yeah. and Auburn. Kansas State and fucking LSU. You know, like, what a great game that would be. And I would love to see something like that. And here's hoping. So. With college football, though, this is what makes college football fun. Because it's you can fun debate. to talk about this, but in the end, whenever they make their decision and you go, what? It's always wrong. That's what I hate about college football. <laughs> so, it, like, we'll enjoy this moment for now, but once the, selection once the selection committee comes out and makes their choice and we're all fucking pissed about it, I'm going to be like, I, who, like... Who knows? By the time, by the time we get to the... the uh, by the time we get to the Big 12 championship game, Texas and Oklahoma might both win out. It might be Texas-Oklahoma round two. Oh, God, and I hate that for any team. You know, like, like yeah. I, I hate that that's what it comes down to for any team. Like, yeah. it's, I, it, like, you've played each other once. You won that game. That should be the end of it. Like, no, it should never be. But with the Big 12, mm -hmm. everybody plays everybody. So it's just like that's the way that the Big 12 championship has to go. And of course, with ratings and what's best for the Big 12, Texas versus Oklahoma is always that option for the present time. Yeah. But it takes those teams that are going to come out of nowhere and win that really make that change. Yeah. And this is that moment. This is that moment for Kansas State and Iowa State. And I fucking hope that they do it because Texas Tech sure as shit's not going to do it. TCU sure as shit's not going to do it. Baylor sure as shit's not going to do it. So we have our teams now. And you can kind of look at it and say, okay, we have all the cards on the table. Let's see who fucking wins. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. You spent... Yes. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Woo! See you guys next week.
it just, yeah, I just did it for, for yeah, I just, I just did it in the first episode. And I don't think he knew what I meant. He knew what I meant. We're doing that from now on. 